Welcome to the Catch 'em and Keep 'em podcast with Melissa Glennie and Mark Altman. We're here to help you hire, engage, and retain the best talent to help you make your vision a reality. Welcome to the Catch 'em and Keep 'em podcast. Um, Mark, I don't know if you've dared to turn on the news lately, um, but as someone like, um, like yourself who's dedicated to understanding how human beings tick, I got to say, I feel like 2020 has not only open Pandora's box. This has been like an eruption. So no, go ahead, keep going. No, please go. No, I was gonna say my, my favorite response to people these days is if someone says to me, you know, everybody's asking, how are you doing in light of the pandemic and how's everything going? And my favorite response, but they'll say like, how are you doing? They won't say necessarily in light of the pandemic, they're referring to it obviously. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so, so when they'll say, how are you doing? I'm like, great. They're like, really, in light of everything? And I go, what do you mean everything? What's going on? And they're <laughs> like, huh? And I'm like, you know, I understand what's going on. Um, but uh, yeah, Melissa, but I will tell you, I maintain that um, for me personally, I mean, this has been a tremendous year. I mean, there's a lot of downside. There's a lot of things I wish I could have back. And, and uh, you know, but I tell you all in all, the lessons for me this year have been fabulous. And I stick with that. Now, with all the stuff going on with COVID and the election and all that, yes, there are reasons to be stressed out, but I'm a growth mindset guy, Melissa. I'm rolling. Well, that's totally what we do. I mean, we're going to just take this opportunity and, and get better from it. Um, and I think it ties into what we're talking about today because I don't know about you, but I'm thinking differently about the way I used to consider the way people tick. I mean, I don't know. Has this had, has this had any, impact for you in the way that you're thinking about human psychology with everything that's going on in the world and the news and politics in our society. And, you know, I, I, I just feel like this has been a, a real learning experience this year. Yeah, well, as for me, I mean, I think it's empathy. Like, you know, we both know that it's important to be empathetic, but I think I found it's been easier to be empathetic as a reflex reaction, as opposed to, you know, sometimes you have to work at it because you might get frustrated with people and their excuses and their problems and whatever. But so I think for me, that's what it is. What about you? What do you think it's been for you? Yeah, you know, I think that it's uh, listening. Uh, I, I've, I felt like I listen pretty well, but as I'm observing various parties, uh, political or not, um, doing so much talking and and clearly feeling unheard i mean we're at a point where it, it seems like someone can say something and incite anger in other people regardless of what they just said it, it it's just uh, it's just this um for some it's this very visceral response and and i think that i'm just really realizing like we collectively have a whole lot more listening to do with each other than I think that I've ever realized before. Like listening, I, I talk to my daughters about this sometimes where I'm like, did you hear me? And, and they're like, yeah. I'm like, well, I know you heard me with your ears, but mm -hmm. did you hear me? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's cool. That's, I like that a lot. Yeah, I, I think that that's kind of the theme that, that you know, I've been reflecting on a little bit and actually kind of brought, brought me to uh, suggest you know, that we talk about drivers because it's one of those things where there's more than i think more than one layer there's multiple layers and more that meets the eye 
when we're discussing you know basic human needs drivers values you know it's it, it kind of ties through the listening the whole spectrum of listening and we think we we heard something but did we well yeah and i think that uh what, what you're making me think of which is a great tie-in is you know if, if when when people talk ideally and let's use political candidates during a debate as an example if you ask both parties they're going to say well if you said to either candidate and said well what's your hope after someone has listened to you right mm -hmm. i you'd think they would say well hopefully they'll be motivated and driven and inspired to vote for me right like that would be the end goal and i think there's so much communication melissa when you talk about drivers and motivators there's so much communication where if you're even just feeling heard, the idea is if you feel heard, you're now motivated to have another conversation with this person because you feel heard. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important when you talk about listening, um, that, that the number one thing, if, if you listen and you can, is, is if you can inspire and motivate others um, to the point where they want to listen uh, and they want to talk again and they're motivated to do something differently than they've done in the past. And I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, I think so. And, and uh, you know, as you're saying that, I think that when we're talking about issues or take arguments, for example, I, I don't know if you've ever had an argument with somebody and then at the end of the argument, not even remembered what you started arguing about. There's so many cases where I see that the issue people are, quote unquote, arguing about or discussing, it, the, it's not really the issue on the table. It's, it's what the issue represents and the meaning for the people definitely, definitely. right it's a great point so um so that kind of carries me into you know be, when, when we're talking about behaviors and the uh when we're interviewing um and and trying to assess what somebody's behaviors would be i think what we're getting at here is my goal is for um for people when they're interviewing and hiring to be able to take a kind of peek into someone's psyche and understand a bit more about their drivers so that they're able to kind of look around the corner um, and how they're going to actually perform in the job, how they're going to respond to feedback, how they can adapt to change and then ultimately be a, a better um, prediction of their success. Um, and then, I, you know, the other thing that I was hoping we could cover today is we can't talk about drivers without talking about motivation. Um, and I know that you are an absolute expert in um, motivate, you know, um, tapping people's motivation and helping them to upgrade their habits and things of that sort. So I'd love to touch on that and, and specifically kind of the uh, importance of competency and the three pillars of competency as it relates to motivation and, and here, you know, whatever, whatever else you can, you can share with us in that regard. Yeah, well, so Melissa, I, I, for me, the starting point is I want to, I want to pick your brain a little bit because, um, you know, we've talked in past episodes a, a little bit here and there about um, assessments and whether it's Myers-Briggs or DISC assessments and understand somebody's drivers and motivation and things like that. And, and I guess I have a two-part question from you or for you. From your perspective, question one is, do you think people can cheat those tests? Because like at this point, when you're taking those tests, because I don't know about you, but when I've taken assessments like that in the past, I'll read a question, I'll be like, okay, well, I know what they want me to say. You know, and so question one is, if you're really trying to uh, understand when you're hiring, if you're trying to understand someone's uh, motivators and drivers, A, from the test, can you cheat it? And B, 
outside the test, if you're interviewing, is it just as simple as asking specific questions to uncover those drivers and motivators? Um, or is it, no, there's a formula, magical formula you have to do to do that? Well, I think uh, to your first question, I don't know, to be honest, if someone can cheat, but I do know they can screw it up when they try to cheat. Um, <laughs> That's great. It, it, there, I mean, I've worked with enough platforms where there, there are definitely indicators when it's like something is not right, you know, um, and, and that's just built into the way that they're designed yep. to, to pick up on that. Um, but I'm just trying to think for a second because that's a really good question. Um, you know, if I've ever experienced um, what, what seems to be maybe somebody trying to cheat, I think that there is actually um, kind of a natural impulse that you almost have to um, refrain yeah. from answering the way you think people want you to answer. Yep, yep. So that's one thing. I mean, there are definitely people who I would call uh, uber honest, and no matter what they think you want to hear, they're going to tell you the truth, yep. which is, is great. Um, they, you know, they they tend to to score, I think, very accurately. Um, but my experience with assessments overall, especially off the box, uh, off the shelf, kind of. Um, boxed uh, assessment packages is that they can be very effective, but they can be way off the mark sometimes too. So uh, that's what I love about the way that you approach assessments, Mark, is, is it, you, you um, carry through with the conversations. Like you're, you're asking me about the interviews, the behavioral interview questions, the situational interview questions, so that there's, a, there's some backup because I think that that's what's missing in a lot of assessments when it's just, you know, um, computer generated uh, responses, there's a lot left uncovered. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and Melissa, what about on the other hand, you know, when you're interviewing and you're looking for, and you and I are a big fan also about, uh, you know, confidence, people's self-image and confidence. So when it comes to identifying motivators and drivers and identifying confidence and self-image kind of things is, Again, quite, is it just basic questions or is there is more to it than that? Uh, no, I, I definitely think that there's more to it when it comes to confidence. Um, I mean, the way that someone presents to you, I, we, I think that we're pretty, um, finally, we have a pretty good acuity as human beings to sense these things. You know, if you feel at ease with a person then and you, you sense their confidence, then, um, you know, I, I would, Take that as a cue, um, and and I think that the questions in an interview definitely uh, are helpful. And it, again, the behavioral, the situational. Um, when you examine the way somebody behaves in a situation, that says a lot about what their confidence it, level is. Um, you know, I would ask, for example, a, a question like a customer service example, where you know, let's just pretend you have an irate customer on the phone. They're saying that their agreement says this, you see on the screen it says that, and you can't reach anybody you know, to, to, to remedy the situation. How do you handle that? And just I, no matter what their, you know, whatever their, their approach is, I'm, I'm listening for what their thought process is and how much self-efficacy they're demonstrating in the way that they're responding to me. That's fabulous. So I think, yes, there are ways that you can go about it with questioning. Well, and I think the bottom line is, you know, when I think when I think about confidence, there are three factors that typically affect people's confidence. One of them is um, how you feel about yourself. One is how others feel about you. And the one that I always 
you think about so much, Melissa, is how you think others feel about you. And so when you're interviewing or when you're, you know, applying for a position at a company, you know, think about how often the other person's body language, feedback, responses can impact that third one, how other people feel about you. Because you could, you could walk into that interview being the best candidate in the world, fitting everything from a driver's motivator's skills, requirements, experience, you name it. But if that person, the way they talk and their, what their body language in the interview, it could totally throw your confidence and totally impact your ability to communicate what you want. Yeah, yeah. So it's huge. Mark, I'm so curious, you're reminding me of something that I, I learned years ago. So I have to ask you this question. It's gonna to sound totally random. How would you describe yourself when you were a junior in high school? Um, I, 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 you know, the three, three go-to things I think I would have gone to is um, big sports fan. Okay. Um, aspiring to be a sports broadcaster and um, to steal a line from uh, one of our dear friends, Robert Klutek, I would say, because uh, he said it, and it's so how I felt in high school, especially at that time. I was friends with the freaks, the geeks, and the jocks. Oh, my God. So those would be the three things. That's so interesting. Um, that, what I just find interesting on a personal note is the, the similarities. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was, uh, hands down, the freaks, the geeks, the jocks, the band, whatever, um, had friends in every corner. Um, and aspiring that I, you, you just nailed the head, the, the, you just hit the nail on the head with that for me too, um, the sports fan. So the reason I asked you that years ago, oh, this is going way back to the beginning. I had the opportunity to work with a guy. He was my sales manager when I was a salesperson. And then whenever I came back from meetings, he would say well, his first question every single time, what did you learn? And then he would start asking me questions that would kind of frustrate me because I would think, how the heck would I know that about this person I met with? Like, how would I determine? And, but he really, he was a psychology guy and he really stretched, um, stretched me a lot to uh, tune, more finely tune my acuity to reading people. And um, so he had shared with me that what he, one of the things he'd learned from his mentors was that if you ask someone, uh, there's some magic about the junior year of high school, if they describe themselves, um, it really carries through to the, to, to the way that they are in their life, generally speaking. Yeah, yeah. well, so I want to I mention something because you got my wheels turning when you said that. So one of the things that um, I train leadership teams to do is when their employees bring problems to require solutions to accompany the problems. However, that's not so novel. The novel thing is that if they don't have the solution, I tell them to turn the employee around and say, come on back when you have the solution. Mm -hmm. Because it's one thing to ask for it. It's another thing to let someone off the hook if they don't have it and yeah. to enable. Why I'm saying that example is because when you talked about your sales mentor or whatever, who says, what did you learn? I mean, Melissa, think about that for a second. Think about across the world, if every meeting, whether it be a sales meeting or a leadership meeting or whatever kind of meeting, assuming it's applicable, if the first part of the meeting was, okay, let's start out, what did everybody learn this week? You know, what did you learn from last week's training? What did you learn from your coach? What did you learn from your boss? What did you learn from being here a week longer? Like, 
that would be amazing. Melissa, that's a game-changing question that right? you start virtually every meeting. Mark, you talk about creating a culture of feedback, and my God, creating a culture of learning. If that question is reiterated oh. five times a day, <laughs> you can't get out of it. <laughs> well, and guess what? When you talk about some of the challenges we're facing in the pandemic around virtual engagement and remote leadership and things like that, guess what? If you know you're participating in a conversation and you know you're going to be asked at the end of the, because I'm talking about the beginning, but how about the end? If you know you're going to be asked, what did you learn? And you're not ready, you're in trouble. Yeah. It could be just as effective at the end as it could be in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, hey, if, if we went into every conversation knowing there was going to be a quiz at the end, um, <laughs> we might listen a little better. Yeah, that would be good. So, no, that's great. Well, and so, Melissa, you know, I, I think about um, every, every organization's different. You know that. I mean, you have such, from your customers, big, small, industry, whatever, you have so many different kinds of needs you need to assess. However, with that said, wouldn't you agree that there is a set of universal drivers or values that virtually everybody's looking for? And if you do agree, what do you think those are? Um, virtually everybody's looking for. That's interesting. I've never thought about it that way because I think I approach every situation as which ones are essential in this case. Um, you know, I, I actually have a story. Uh, I'll try to make this really brief, just to kind of lay the, the, the groundwork for my answer. Um, I was in Peru um, a couple years ago with my family. And in Southern Peru, we experienced um, extortion from, there's police corruption. And so um, thank goodness we had cash when we had it. Uh, so we were all right, but you know, it's unpleasant nonetheless. And, uh, but what a learning experience. So then we get to the capital city. We were out in the middle of nowhere in the desert when it happened. So we get to the capital city. There's almost 10 million people in the capital city of Peru. So we're in, in Lima. And after a few days of being there, my husband actually made, made a observation. Everywhere we went, we walked through some slums. We went anywhere we went. We felt fine, totally safe. Never, never saw any, anything or anything for concern. And we were there for about a week and a half. So um, he noticed, he said, you know what? I haven't seen one male police officer. And uh, so we started talking with some locals and what we learned was that the commissioner, there was so much police corruption in the city, the commissioner pulled all the men off the beat and put them in administrative jobs and only women deal with the public. Wow, that's crazy. That's awesome though. So, you know, then we were like, okay, so what are you saying? Like men are more inclined to be jerks, you know, uh, but, this is where I started thinking about this stuff and how it relates to hiring and performance. If you look at the self-image, um, archetypally speaking, between men and women and, and the, the basis for their identity, and men historically have been the breadwinner, um, they, they're given an opportunity to make a lot more money extorting people when they're out with authority and guns. And what do they do? I mean, good guy, bad guy, whatever, they're given that opportunity and they see themselves as a breadwinner, they're more, they're more likely to take that opportunity and extort people. Women, on the other hand, whether you, know, you look at their basis of identity, they're the caretakers, 
Um, they're, they're not as uh, things are changing, you know, today, I'm not suggesting that women don't make money, but historically speaking, their sense of identity has been, I think, less tied to bringing money home. Um, and so they're out there taking care of the public and it, it virtually eliminated the corruption that was happening in the city. Mm. So, you know, when, when you're asking me, you know, what are the universal or what is everybody looking for? Um, you know, I think that we just really have to look at the situation and first look at the job and the function, look at the behaviors that you, we want in order to best serve the function, and then tie it down, dr drill down further into what are the drivers that are going to intrinsically support the, uh, the behaviors that we, we need. Well, and that's a, that's a great story. I, I guess, look, from my perspective, and I've created just a lazy acronym for it, and it's CAR, which is Communication, Accountability, and Respect. And the thing for me about those three things is no company, if you asked a company and said, hey, if you're going to hire someone, you know, do you want them to have those core values to be, you know, good communicators, have accountability? Of course, they're going to say yes, right? That's what I meant. Everybody would say yes. However, if it was only that simple, because whatever the culture, you used the term culture before, whatever the culture of communication is in the company, it's not, are they a good communicator? Is that, can they communicate consistent with the company culture, right? Mm -hmm. And accountability, like accountability, the more I look into accountability, Melissa, it's funny, like most people have a general or on the same page and aligned about what basically accountability means. Mm -hmm. But man, you can break it down into a dozen different <clears throat> branches of what accountability means from one person to another. And it's the same thing. So if you were to interview someone and say, you know, what does accountability mean to you? And is, how are you driven by an accountable behavior or an accountable culture? That's a whole different thing. And then of course, last but not least is respect. And it's the same thing. What you might feel is respect may be different than what I feel is respect, especially when you talk about gender and culture and you bring all those factors. So that's what's so tricky about this is if it was as simple as specific values, yes, but then you'd have to probe and understand what the meaning of those values. If it was, um, uh, you know, drivers and things like that, same thing, because even if, like if you said to me, Melissa, final thought on this is for me is, if you said to me, Mark, what motivates you to go to work every day, right? And let's say I said, well, I'll tell you what it is. Um, I am, I am, I, I actually always joke about this. I always say to people when they ask me that most, I said, I'm so weird. The answer to that is so weird with me because it depends which day. 50% of the time, I am that driven, hungry entrepreneur. I want to take over the world, make a lot of money, grow the brand, blah, blah, blah. The other 50%, I couldn't care less about that. And I'm happy to help people and I'm doing my thing. So it just depends. But the point is that if you were interviewing me and I answered it that way, like, what do you do with that information? Because it's not really a clear answer. And even if you get the honest answer and get a feel for what their self-image is and what they're motivated by, it's still not necessarily a clear guide. Well, and there's a whole, there's another element um, that I think plays into that. And that's the situation. So within the, there, you know, there's their natural instincts and there's the culture of the company, but then they're going to be faced with different situations. So, you know, typically they could behave in one way, but everybody, you know, everybody, I guess, to, not to be cliche, but everybody has that breaking point, Yep. you know? 
So, um, you know, the longer I, the, I've done a lot of research through the years on, you know, there's books about the core human needs and, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and, you know, whatever model you follow, there's so many of them out there. But I gotta tell you, the longer I study, the more I see these attributes, these values kind of having the ability to fold in and the, the, the more you fold them in, the more I feel like they come down to three things. And that is um, progression, um, protection. And I was, um, I made a note of it because there was, um, bear with me one second. Progression. Oh God, the one, the, the one, the, the number one connection. Okay. So connection, progression and protection. Every other, so I, I did a brain dump um, the, earlier this morning and I just listed everything that I could think of, like pulled from all the models. And then I just kept saying, well, that's like that. And that's like that. And that's like that. And that's it. So I basically put in the three buckets. So that's just my, you know. Wait, I want to ask you about that. So three, so I, cause I don't want to assume. So connection meaning how well you're relating to others and connecting with others. Um, progression meeting, do you feel like you're going anywhere? Is that what you mean by like, like whether it's at the company or your career path or your aspirations, is that what you mean by progression? Yeah, by progression, I, I mean, it could be anything. It could be acquiring knowledge, mm. uh, authority. It could be um, learning. Um, what are some of the other adjectives that I put in there? Gaining autonomy, purpose, mastery, um, So wait a second, so, so wait a minute, so let me ask you this, because I think, I think that's actually pretty compelling because um, let's talk about, let's go the other direction for a second. Let's talk about, you know, when you get, you give performance reviews or mm -hmm. even 360 reviews. So let's talk about that for a second. So if you work for me and I'm reviewing you and well, no, actually, wait a minute. If I said to you in my, when I'm getting a 360 done on me, I should find out those three categories, right? Do, have I set up a culture and environment where they feel connected, where they feel like they're progressing and when they feel they're, and feel protected. Like that's what you're saying, right? Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's really, I mean, it makes it so simple because those are three high level buckets. And you just have to ask a handful of questions to really understand, but keeping it simple with those three words, that's pretty cool, Melissa. Like that, that's, I like how you did that. Actually, really, that's, that's cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I, and it's really interesting because I, I just feel like they're so fundamental. You know, I think about the relationship I have with my husband when I met him, he was through and through about certainty and security, safety, um, uh, and, you know, just kind of staying on the beaten path and, you know, not, not exposing yourself to any danger. And I was the opposite. I was the thrill seeker and beaten path is boring, you know. Uh, so uh, over the years, it's been interesting to see how we've sort of merged in the way that we approach life. Um, but, but it's just so glaring, you know, and, and, and it was probably the source of some arguments, right? Because difference of values and right, right. See, things, see things very differently. But uh, but it is really glaring um, when you see people who are, you know, for example, um, driven like myself for progression. And so every, I can sacrifice a lot of things in order to keep progressing.
But if somebody else is very driven for the protection and security, they'll sacrifice a lot of things in order to maintain that protection and security. Well, and I think you, you bring this up is more timely than ever because we both know employee engagement right now is a huge problem for so many companies. Mm -hmm. and a lot of people, I, I was working with a company last week, Melissa, where one of the managers, the mid-level managers at the company said in front of the owner and one of the other managers, it's just a job. Like, why are you making such a big deal of it? And so, of course, they were the, the two people in the room were very upset by it and told me about it. And I said, but you know something? When someone says it's just a job, even if they don't say it, you feel like they think it. And they're not, quote unquote, driven for anything more for connection, progression, protection, right? Yeah. To me, it's okay. Not everybody has to have the same drive and motivators. If they're doing their job effectively, as it turned out, this person was not. But if if that person is doing their job, who cares? It can be just a job. The thing you have to worry about in my mind is, um, I've been talking a lot lately about what I call a resignation mindset. Mm. And that is people are very resigned to their fate. Uh, and, and so, you know, if you're working at a company and you're thinking, well, I'm here because this is what I'm good at, so I might as well just stick with it. So talk about self-image, Melissa, right? So you're, you're staying there because you don't believe you can do anything else. You're staying there because it would be too hard to find another job. And whatever resignation mindset you have, the problem is that if you have that mindset, that's when that's the path that leads to employee disengagement. And what I think is so slick about what you said is that if you sense, if you're a leader or you're in HR, and you sense someone has a resignation mindset, Melissa, you just gave them the five minute talk track. Because if you were a leader, you could go up to them and say, well, I have this feeling that they have a resignation mindset. So I'm gonna ask, ask them about connection, progression and protection. Mm -hmm. And those three things really get to the heart. And if, if you come out of that conversation and the person doesn't seem to care about any of them, well, you, Oh, oh, you, you have an answer there. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Um, wow, that was very poignant, Mark. I think that, uh, I, I think that's a, such a good point. And I had, I just made the assumption that, well, so, something's driving them to be there. Um, we just haven't tapped into what it is. But man, that's enlightening. <laughs> well, but actually, I, what you just said is, is ties everything together because you talked about self-image early in the program. And we say something's going to keep them there. But you know what I find, Melissa? I find a lot of people don't even know why they're doing what they're doing because they're so used to it. And it's been so, it's so procedural and cyclical that they've lost what even their passion or drive is for why they're doing it in the first place. Yeah, yeah. So. Inertia. It's, uh, it can be inertia. dangerous. It's a good word yeah. of the day right there. Inertia. By the way, Melissa, before we sign off today, I need to call out something that I think our listeners would really be interested to know. So, you know, Melissa talked about how she was in high school, but I just need to call out that um, this morning during a meeting that we had, um, Melissa and I are part of a, a masterminds group. And if you're not familiar with what that is, it's, uh, it's, it's executives and business owners that get together uh, for goals and accountability. And like we, it's like an in-house board of advisors. Anyway, in any event, so we had to schedule another meeting and we were looking at dates and Melissa, 
before we could schedule a date, said, well, we can't do it next, whatever Thursday night, because the Patriots are playing. And the whole group was like, you know, like it, it, it was just so impressive. So I just, can we just acknowledge Melissa's uh, versatility and knowledge and passion and fun? Because I don't know, Melissa, that was just, I, I don't think I'm going to forget that anytime soon. Wow. Well, you know, anytime you have a question about that, Mark, I'll tell you, I sync the Patriots <laughs> schedule online with my Gmail, uh, my, my Google account. So oh, I got it. If there's a game, it's in my calendar. Let's just hope they keep playing, Melissa, because right now it's looking a little dire. Yeah, that was, that was a big if there's a game. <laughs> right? yeah. all, right. all right. Before we wrap up, Mark, I, I guess for my closing thoughts here, um, can we touch on motivation? Um, I got to tell you, I never gave a lot of thought to competency and motivation, but um, I was doing some reflection because I, I, you know, I've recently kind of got back on the wagon with my fitness and nutrition and it, and I was just reflecting on like, how did I fall off the wagon? Like I, I, 20 years, I've been a runner and I was always on, you know, five or six days a week. I worked out like I brushed my teeth. It was no question. And, um, something happened a few years ago and my body wasn't responding. It, it was like, it's just, just like suddenly I woke up one day and I was in a different body and I'm like, this isn't working anymore. And so when I stumbled upon some, something recently when I was reading, I, I had an aha moment and it was the, the role that competency plays in motivation. But when you think about competency, I don't know about you, but I always think, oh, it's someone's understanding of something and ability with it. Uh, but the three pillars that I learned about are the, these three questions, when you're assessing a person's competency, um, the questions to pose to them are, can you do it? Will it work? And is it worthwhile? So going back to my story about why I stopped running and, and working out, I, I, I didn't feel like it was working. And so my motivation just went right off the table because I know, I do know how to run, you know, that didn't change. And I, I do believe it's worthwhile, but I didn't see it working. And I think that, you know, anytime you lose motivation on something or when you see somebody just kind of not being motivated, I think those are three great questions to approach somebody with or approach yourself with and just kind of see where, it's, where is it breaking down? Well, and so what's interesting is when I hear you say that, what goes through my mind is I often find myself saying that when it comes to emotional intelligence, um, it's so hard to be emotionally intelligent because if you're lucky enough or skilled enough to be self-aware of what's going on, okay, that's step one. Yay, I was self-aware. Number two is I've got to figure out how I'm going to respond. Am I going to respond or react? So now I got to make sure I do that right. So that's two. And you could be amazing at both those things, Melissa. And then we're right to what you were talking about is motivation. And then that third aspect of motivation is, it's your question, can you do it? So I'm self-aware, I know how I wanna respond, I've thought it through, but can I do it? Because will they even listen? Will it change anything? And so I think those questions are so compelling and I think what is so hard about being a human being when it comes to communication and specifically motivation in emotional intelligence is that you have to hit all three of those. You can't hit two of the three. Mm -hmm. You have to do all. And you know what, for me, Melissa, there is no simpler personal example 
then I know how great I feel when I exercise. I know I've had a hundred examples over the course of my life, yet I don't do it. And I don't do it because that middle question, can you do it? Oh, I can, I could do it, but oh, I don't have time. And what, what, what would I be able to do if I fit in exercise? So that can you do it can mean a lot of different things when you say, can you do it, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that and as pillars of competency and self-image and motivation, you have to hit all three. And for most people to be able to execute all three of those is really hard. Mm-hmm. That's why we have leaders. <laughs> this is true. This is true. At least we do in the workplace, right? Or well, and Melissa, you know, we are both big fans of such a you know, one of the things that to me more than ever I'm realizing. Everybody knows listening is important and, and, you know, we talk about body language and things like that, but I'll tell you what, um, to me, it's asking questions. Yeah. And if you can be really good at asking questions as a leader to pull information out of people, to understand what intrinsically motivates them and things like that, it's, that's, that skill is such an underrated skill, so underrated. Uh, yeah, you're, you're reminding me of, um, was it Nelson Mandela? Um, there was a great talk uh, from him about his father and what he learned about always speaking last Mm. in the room. Um, and, and, you know, in terms of, um, giving opinion. So only questions, the last person in the room to give an opinion would be the leader. You know what I have to tell you about, I want to say 25 years ago. Um, I was living in an apartment in Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, and the person across the hall with me was a sports writer for the Globe who was married to Nelson Mandela's daughter. Whoa. And of course, at the time, you know, I knew who he was and I knew the significance, but like, I think back, I'm like, wow, like that was really cool. Can you imagine Nelson Mandela being your father-in-law? Oh my God. I was (laughs) like, oh, wow. So that was, so anyways, but now, Melissa, I mean, for me, the takeaways today, the pillars of competency and the three questions that go with that are enormous. And, you know, what you talked about earlier in the show um, about uh, connection, progression, and protection. I mean, those are two huge nuggets. And for our listeners, listen, it, it comes down to, Melissa can give you all the suggestions in the world, but we both always say, if you get off the show and you're like, oh, wow, I got to do that, I got to do that, but how are you going to do it? And, you know, you have to figure out a way, if you're a leader or you're an HR, how are you going to incorporate these suggestions into your routine? And that's what it comes down to. My, I was on a Zoom call with my daughter's teacher last night, and they have, a, uh, they have something called a do now. At the end of every class, there's, what's your do now? Hmm. So I'll just leave with that. What's your do now? I like that. I like that. <laughs> My do now is to figure out how to incorporate Melissa Glenning's suggestions into my routine. <laughs> All right. Well, my, my, uh, my do now is honestly to incorporate some of my suggestions more into my routine. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, goodness. So, uh, all right, Melissa, great show. Good to see you as always. You too. Thank you, Mark. Yes, all absolutely. Right. We'll see you next time. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for joining us on the Catch Him and Keep Him podcast. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe so you don't miss us next time. In the meantime, remember that engaging your people is a daily task and recruiting is a process, not an event. If you need help, just ask. Connect directly with Melissa at franklinprofessionals.com and Mark at mindsetgo.com.